Thanks for joining Emmanuel Christian Community. In the Bible, God's Spirit creates life and order out of gloomy and lifeless situations. It begins with creation in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And it continues through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the same Spirit who leads Jesus also leads us as followers today. So in this series, join us as we learn how to be faithful followers, effective witnesses, and how to live life to its fullest through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is really good to be with everyone today here in person, face to face. And for those online, uh, good morning as well. And in the words of this song, I pray that the Lord will speak to all of us this morning, here and online. Uh, when Pastor Ken told me the topic of our summer series would be on the Holy Spirit, I remember thinking, oh, that's not the easiest topic to speak on. And so I was mulling over it and thinking about it. And then I said, uh, I kept going back to this, the conversation of Nicodemus and Jesus in John chapter 3. Uh, you will probably remember it as the famous one where Jesus announces, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So I reread it in preparation, and as I was reading and reading, I kind of realized that I don't think I've ever actually really thought about the role of the Holy Spirit in someone who is born again. Uh, I've always kind of just thought of being born again as receiving the new life in Christ, as being born into the family of God. Uh, but if you read the passage more carefully, you will notice that Jesus emphasized that to be born again is to be born of water and of spirit, which means being born again is importantly linked to the Holy Spirit. This morning, I hope to unpack what that means to be born of the spirit and what that implies for our lives. Please turn with me to John chapter 2. We'll start with verse 23, and we will read until chapter 3, verse 15. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. 
If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In order to understand our passage, it's important to look at it in context. That simply means to understand the place of our passage within the narrative gospel of John. So our passage happens in Jerusalem during the Passover feast, and at a time when verse 23 states, many believed in his name when they saw his signs. Curiously, however, right in the next verse in 24, Jesus says he did not entrust himself to these people. That is to say, Jesus would not enfold these people as his disciples, unlike Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel in the previous chapter, chapter 1. It seems then that something was missing in the faith of these people who believed in Jesus because of his signs. It's right after this statement that we find the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus approaches Jesus as a great teacher from God. And Jesus' first statement to him was that, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I found the start of their conversation weird or odd. You know, like, uh, it's, it's, Jesus kind of said something really kind of off from the conversation. It's kind of like how you feel when someone um, says something and it makes the mood awkward. I kind of felt that way when I was reading it. After all, Nicodemus had just begun his greeting to Jesus. He hadn't yet posed any questions or started any topic, and yet Jesus cuts him off with a seemingly unrelated, unless one is born again statement. So what exactly is happening here? One of the key words in this passage is the word no. Nicodemus's greeting begins with the address that he knows Jesus is a teacher come from God. Jesus then responds with his puzzling statements on being born again, which leaves Nicodemus in verse 9, ultimately asking, how can this be? In response, Jesus pointedly says, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Nicodemus was a Pharisee, one of the Jewish religious leaders of his time. Safe to say that he would have been considered a religious expert. But when Jesus in verse 3 says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And again in verse 5, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For all of Nicodemus's religious knowledge, his only response was, how can this be? And in that question, we find a telltale clue as to what was missing in his faith. What was missing was the realization that he doesn't, in fact, know. That he doesn't, in fact, really understand the things of God. How can this be? Who really understands? These are the basic questions this passage asks of Nicodemus and of us, its readers. Most of the concepts Jesus spoke about would have been familiar to Nicodemus. The ideas of birth, the kingdom of God, water, the spirit, all of these things Nicodemus would have known. And yet Jesus' pronouncement shows how much Nicodemus didn't really know. What he thought he knew was in fact 
blinding him from seeing the truth Jesus was offering. What he thought he knew was not enough to enter the kingdom of God. It wasn't even enough to see or recognize the kingdom of God. How can this be? Who really understands? Let's look first at how Jesus appends Nicodemus's concept of the kingdom of God. Whereas Nicodemus probably thought of the kingdom of God as being part of it because he was a Jew or because of obedience to the Old Testament laws, Jesus says instead that inclusion in the kingdom of God was not a given for Jews, nor was it as simple as obeying Old Testament laws. Jesus declares that the requirement is to be born again. How can this be? Who really understands? When Jesus said that one has to be born again, Nicodemus understood this as a physical rebirth. That's why he was so incredulous and asked, how can someone enter a second time into the womb? I seem to recall at one time or the other that one of my boys, or maybe both of them, asked if they could come back inside my tummy. I quickly responded, nope, impossible, you are now too big. So a physical going back into the womb is not what Jesus was talking about here. A physical rebirth is not what's required to enter the kingdom of God. What is required is another kind of birth, a spiritual birth with a capital S, a rebirth into water and a rebirth brought about by the Holy Spirit. How can this be? Who really understands? To be born again is to be born of water, in the Old Testament, water is associated with the themes of renewal and cleansing. But whereas Nicodemus knew of water and the necessity of cleansing and purification just with the Old Testament sacrificial system, Jesus reframes the conversation and says that for someone to see and enter the kingdom of God, one needs to be clean and pure, not just cleansed and purified. To enter the kingdom of God, one's very essence has to be changed. How can this be? Who really understands? To be born again is to be born of water and of the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Verse 6 states that, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This tells us that to enter the kingdom of God, one has to be born anew, to be reborn with a different essence from above. One no longer controlled and limited by the flesh and all its failings, but instead renewed, energized, and propelled forward by the Holy Spirit, who indwells all those who are born again. And as such enables those born again to finally begin living triumphantly, the abundant life God always intended for his children. To be born of the Spirit is a completely new thing. When I first started dating Dwight, he was driving uh, an older sort of beat-up CRV. It had seen better days and the suspension was shock, so it made for a rather bouncy ride. Uh, Dwight's car was in dire need of being reborn. So you can kind of think of being born of the Spirit as having a tune-up or even as having a complete engine overhaul to enable your car to run better, even as good as new. 
But even after all these fixes, you will still be left with a car that will function exactly in the same way as all cars would. To be born of the Spirit, however, isn't simply fixing or improving upon what was broken. That would be missing Jesus' point. When Jesus says you must be born of the Spirit, what he means is that you need to junk your car and get a brand new mode of transportation, like a bicycle or a plane or walking. What's needed is something completely new, not just an upgrade of the same thing. We cannot stay as born of the flesh. We need to be born of the spirit if we want to see and enter the kingdom of God. Now, I hope you realize the gravity of Jesus' statement. It is impossible for us on our own to change our essence. We cannot fundamentally change who we are. To be born of the spirit, however, is to have the Holy Spirit come inside us and to have the Holy Spirit within us, directing us, leading us, energizing us, propelling us forward with a new spirit. Just think about that for a second. Someone born again has the very spirit of God inside them. That means that person has been made new from the inside out. Someone made new will be given a new heart, able to love God completely. Someone made new will be given a new mind, able to truly know God and think clearly of his ways. And finally, someone made new will have a new way of living, wherein our actions are evidence to those around them that they belong to God. Every year, one of the major headlines of the new year is always about New Year's resolutions. That's right. Many people make New Year's resolutions. How many of you make them? <laughs> I, I do. For me, it's usually about losing weight or more exercise, you know, the typical things. Unfortunately, do you know how many people fall off the bandwagon for the New Year's resolutions? Uh, Karen says everyone. Not, not exactly. Not, not, not up to the point of everyone. I read this article that says approximately 80% of people who make New Year's resolutions drop them by the second week of February. <laughs> A mere six weeks in. This seemingly trivial statistic of people's inability to keep New Year's resolutions actually points to the more profound and basic failing of all of us born of the flesh. The flesh is of the flesh and is weak despite our best intentions. In the Apostle Paul's famous words in Romans chapter 7, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. I think there are within most of us earnest wishes for more in life. But without the Holy Spirit inside us, we are ultimately unable by our own efforts to live fulfilling, joyful, and abundant lives. To be born of the Spirit, however, is to be given the gift of a new life, the gift of a new heart, the gift of a new ability to live to the fullest, and the gift of the ability to please God. To be born of the Spirit is to no longer be hindered by sin and thus freed to live life to the fullest. One of my biggest frustrations as a mom has to be my lack of patience. There are numerous things in a day that frustrates me, annoys me, makes my brows curl in displeasure. I long for the day when I can be that poster mom, you know, the one that's infinitely patient, 
smiling serenely when everything else goes wrong. And since I obviously haven't succeeded in becoming that poster mom, there are many days when I feel hopelessly a failure. Preparing for this devotional, however, has reminded me forcefully that this hopefulness is woefully misguided. I am born again of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside me, continuously transforming me and leading me to the fruits of the Spirit. What once was impossible is no longer impossible. The Holy Spirit has given me new life. This new life is one that changes me from the inside out. And while this side of eternity, my transformation isn't complete, I can and must expect that there will be change. Sometimes temporary, sometimes permanent, sometimes fleeting, yet all the same real reminders of what will fully be in eternity. How can this be? Who really understands? What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? To be born of the Spirit is to yield to the Spirit's control in our lives. In verse 8, Jesus states, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Notice that this verse says, you do not know. A key characteristic of one born of the Spirit is the knowledge or the understanding that we do not know. That was the main deficiency shown us concerning Nicodemus. He began with the mindset he already knew Jesus, but Jesus systematically revealed to him that he in fact did not know. How can this be? Who really understands? Those born of the Spirit don't know where the Spirit comes from. This pertains to the origin of the Spirit. Just as weather and wind is generally unpredictable, likewise the Spirit is unpredictable. We cannot control when and where and in whom the Spirit will appear. Since school is now out, I plan activities for the kids to take advantage of our glorious Vancouver summers. Every day I look out my window to figure out what the weather will be. But usually, I assume it will be sunny since it's the summer. But just this past Thursday, I had organized a water park play date. I looked out my window, and it was gloomy and decidedly cool because there was a bit of a wind. Threw a wrench in my plants because that's not exactly the kind of weather you want for the water park. And so if only I could accurately predict weather, I could, or better still, if I can just control and decide what the weather will be, then I will make perfect plans every time. Alas, I cannot. And so just as weather, or more specifically in our passage, wind, is beyond our control, we also need to realize that the Holy Spirit is beyond our control. We cannot decide when, where, and how the Spirit will appear, nor what he will do. We cannot decide who the Spirit should make born again. To be born again is a gift of God. God decides to whom he will bestow this gift. How can this be? Who really understands? Those born of the Spirit also do not know where the Spirit goes. This pertains to the destiny of those born again. To be born of the Spirit is to allow the Spirit to direct our lives and to lead us wherever he chooses. 
The issue of control seems to be a big deal in the headlines these days. I read articles regularly about people protesting mass mandates, vaccine passports, all of these things. It seems to me, though, that what these people are fundamentally opposing is the removal of what they see as their fundamental right to control and direct their own lives. They bristle, rightly or wrongly, against our governments, forcing them to take particular actions. Even within our own household, the issue of control is a contentious one, particularly for Evan, who is now nine years old. As he gets older, one of his chief complaints is that he doesn't like it when I tell him what to do. I leave it for you to imagine the conversations we have at home on why following mommy is always the better choice. <laughs> Many of us don't like people telling us what to do, but those that are born of the Spirit willingly give up control to the Holy Spirit within us. Those born of the Spirit allow their thinking to be conformed to the mind of Christ. Those born of the Spirit allow their hearts to be reordered so that they love the things of God. Those born of the Spirit allow themselves to be led by the Spirit so that their lives and actions are infused with the Spirit and ultimately points to the God to whom they belong. How can this be? Who really understands? A scholar wrote that wonder is a matter of knowing that you do not know. This passage shows us that being born of the Spirit requires that kind of self-realization. And it was the same choice that we see Nicodemus left with in his question of how can this be. Will Nicodemus ponder that question and decide, no, cannot be, because that's not what I know, and ultimately reject faith in Jesus? Or will Nicodemus ponder that question and submit that he needs the wisdom of Jesus and embrace true faith so that he can be made new by the Holy Spirit? How would you have responded? How can this be? Who really understands? The desire to acquire knowledge is not a bad thing. I myself have always been sort of nerdy, reveling in facts. But when we come face to face with Jesus, what is necessary is that we approach him with wonder. We must approach him with knowing we truly do not know and thus accept our need for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our mind, and our heart to God's truth and his ways. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The essence of being born of the Spirit is the willingness to be led where the Holy Spirit wants. The essence of being born of the Spirit is the willingness to be renewed and transformed from the inside out so that we may live our fullest life. And so that, as John chapter 3, verse 21 states, it may be clearly seen that our works have been carried out in God. Amen.